The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg with your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics brought to you by SSI Guardian. Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal Transformation Retreat. Visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Hello, listeners. Welcome to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. And before I introduce my guest for today, uh, let me ask you a few questions. What did you imagine your life would be like when you grew up? Do you ever wonder if you've become the person you were intended to be? Or do you think you've drifted too far and the life you hope for now seems impossible? Well, best-selling author and speaker Crystal Evans Hurst says that where you are today is not where you have to be forever. And that's good news. Crystal will share how an unmarried pregnancy, single parenthood, and financial troubles taught her that no matter who and where you've been, The girl who initially believed a beautiful life was hers to build is still there. And that's the name of her book, She's Still There. And we'll hear from Crystal Evans Hurst in just a moment. Uh, But first, thank you for joining me for Living Well with Dr. Peg. You can stream today's program online at drpegradio.com. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives or to connect with our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education. And I also want to remind you about my nonfiction writing and self-publishing one-day intensive workshop that's coming up in Denver on September 9th, 2017. And if you've had an interesting childhood or you possess a special skill or ability or you'd like to use your life experiences to inspire and educate others, it's time to become the author you've always dreamed of being. And if you're not sure how to get started or you've been working on the same book for years or maybe you want to learn how to self-publish your own book, register for my upcoming nonfiction writing and self-publishing one-day intensive workshop on Saturday, September 9th in Denver. Again, don't miss out. There's only a few spaces left. And just go to drpegradio.com slash write to register today. So let me introduce my guest today, Crystal Evans Hurst. Uh, Crystal Evans Hurst is a best-selling author, speaker, wife, and homeschooling mother of five, and she's also the daughter of Dr. Tony Evans, and she co-authored the book Kingdom Woman with her dad, and she has a new book out called She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. Crystal Evans Hurst, thanks so much for being on the show today. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you inviting me to be a part. Oh, it's a delight. And looking forward to our conversation. I enjoyed your book, She's Still There. And before we jump into it, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself our, so our listeners can get to know you? Um, many of our listeners have probably read your book, and we, we hope that they're going to uh, run out and grab this new one, She's Still There. So just uh, what are some highlights that you want to share about yourself today? Well, you know, I um, have a background in a family that um, we've been in church all of our lives. My siblings and I, my parents, um, of course, started and um, continued to 
uh, pastor of the church that uh, my dad founded. And so that's my background. Mm-hmm. But we have a rich spiritual legacy and heritage, and I'm grateful for that. Um, at 19, though, just like I figure Adam and Eve had the best parent ever, mm-hmm. and they still got to make their own choices. Um, I did make some choices, and that allowed me to be the mom, and I'm grateful for that, of my oldest daughter, Karis. But I was a teenage mom and was a single parent for 10 years. Um, in my late 20s, I met and married my husband. Um, we each gave each other the gift of a girl on our wedding day, mm-hmm. and then after that, we added three other boys. So we have kids ranging from 25 to 3. Mm. I'm, I'm lying. 25 to 8. <laughs> eight. And then three boys are still at home. Mm. Um, my daughter's married, and she has a uh, one-and-a-half-year-old. So we are full of life and adventure around here. Mm. Um, my, um, I have been, I spent 10 years of my adult life working in corporate America and money management and finance. And then after uh, we started adding babies to the family, I came home and um, did not intentionally become a homeschooler. It was an accidental homeschooler situation. I was going to do it for a little bit and fix one of my kids and put her back in school. <laughs> and then we never stopped doing it. And so my, my sons have not yet been to school, and we've been kind of doing that ever since. Um, four years ago, my dad asked me to join him in um, uh, co-authoring Kingdom Woman, and that opened doors to start speaking and writing in addition to what I'd already been doing um, in, in a greater way uh, more often. And then, I'd, as you mentioned, I've just written uh, She's Still There, and that's my newest title. Excellent. Outstanding. And and we're we're um, big fans of your dad, Dr. Tony Evans, here in, in Denver, Colorado. I've seen him speak here in Denver a couple times live, and so... Um, I'm sure that's a blessing and was an, an honor to be asked by your dad to, to write a book uh, with him, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally an honor, and I totally said no like four times in a row. <laughs> I was like, well, Kingdom Woman sounds too close to Superwoman, and um, I'm sure I'm not her. I'm sure that whoever needs to write a book called Kingdom Woman has a lot more togetherness than I do in my life. And uh, he kind of convinced me to do it. And, you know, there we go. And there we go. Well, and then have you written a book yet about your homeschooling adventures? And if not, have, do you plan to? You know, I don't know if that's in the plans per se. I have written about it here or there on my blog. It's actually one of the most frequently asked questions uh, that I get. And so I used to write about it a lot more and then kind of slowed down and started writing about other things. But I think I'll share a little bit more about our homeschooling journey in the coming days. Okay. Yeah, one of my very dear friends is homeschooling her son, Kyle. And I'll give them a shout-out, Deb and Kyle. And uh, it's just been a journey um, as her friend walking alongside her. But I I have the easy job encouraging her. It's a tough job, but I know it's been extremely rewarding for her, and it's benefited her son immensely. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. It's a great option that we have in this country. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, let's talk about your new book, She's Still There. Uh, what prompted you to write this book? You you kind of gave us a little snapshot of uh, some of the early uh, challenges you had in your life. But what prompted you to write She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You? Well, there were two reasons that I wrote it. Um, one is because after writing In Kingdom Woman with my dad, um, people said I kind of glazed over the whole single parent thing. Mm. I, it wasn't purposeful. It just it wasn't the point of that book to go to go into that. And so since people ask me a lot about, you know, what 
uh, that story was about more and kind of how I got through that. I wanted to write a little bit more about that story and show in a very practical way what it looked like to kind of figure out where I'd gone and who I was after that event in my life. So that is a small purpose of the book. There is uh, one and a half chapters that are dedicated to that story. So the book does touch on that, but it's not all about that. I talk enough about it so that people know I've been I've been there in the place where you wonder, how did I get here mm. and how do I get out of this spot? Um, but I will also say that when my daughter was 22, she had a decision to make and she was asking me for my opinion. And um, I've learned in parenting young adults that one of the best ways for them to get stronger in making their own decisions is to make their own decisions. <laughs> and so it wasn't a moral issue. It wasn't a right or a wrong. It wasn't a situation where she was going to harm herself or harm anyone else. And I said, you know what? I think you can figure this out. But I will tell you this. I think you should think about a time when you felt really great about your life, when you had expectations, when you had high hopes, and when you were maybe even dreaming just a little bit. When would that have been? And she told me around about 17, and she told me why and what she was looking forward to in life. And I said, you know, well, then you need to go and ask that girl what she wants you to do now. Because if you don't, you'll be looking for her when you're 40, trying to figure out what did she intend for you to have done with your life for the last 20 years. And I said, you know, she's there. You just have to ask her. She's still there. You just have to check in with her and see what it is that she wants you to do. Mm -hmm. So that's where the book title came from. And so the combination of those two things, what does it look like for you to recognize the girl in you, whether you knew who she was and you're trying to get back to her, whether you never know who she, never knew who she could be and you need to garner a vision for your life in either case, the girl that God wants you to be, that he designed you to be, the girl he created you to be, she's still there. But you do have to participate with him in the work of not only finding her, but honoring her and stewarding her life every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a month or two ago now, I um, changed uh, my home screen on my phone to a picture of myself when I was five. <laughs> and because I was, I kept coming back around to kind of this stumbling block. I was getting triggered in a certain area of my life. And I knew it was, it was that little Peggy trying to uh, put her foot down and she was having a little tantrum. And so I wanted to acknowledge, you know, I hear you and I'm, I'm trying to get those needs met. And so having it on my phone is just a reminder that she's still there. Little Peggy is still there. So I love what you're saying. Um, really helps us to, to walk out that vision. Uh, God formed us in our mother's womb and that girl that he formed is still there. That's so true. And, I, you know, people, that, that can have a negative connotation for some people. If they look back at their five-year-old girl, mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't like her, don't want to remember her, and they're like, some bad things may have happened to her. It's not a good memory. And that's why I say the girl you were or you're trying to get back to or the girl you never knew you could be. Mm -hmm. Because when God created us, he deposited us with gifts, abilities, interests, passions, and a unique personality, a unique nature. And what he creates is good. In the garden, mm -hmm. he Everything he created was good. Now, we live in a world that is not always good. And so sometimes because of our experiences, you know, it, our experiences mean that our childhood, or our teenage years, they don't have good memories. Sometimes our choices cause that to not be a good time. But the, the point is, is that God creates good things. So we have to reconnect or connect with, rediscover what he intended when he made us a unique being and honor what we know today while we figure out what tomorrow holds. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
Well, you start your book with the very simple statement, I love Jesus. Uh, And explain how your love for Jesus influences your story, because you made a point to say that right up front uh, at the beginning of your book. I say that because I wrote this book for the woman who is on the fringe. I call her the female on the fringe. I love the women who, uh, and I, I love all women, but I love women who don't want to be on the wrong side of God but may not have been in church for a while, or were raised in church but have made choices that have made them feel ashamed about coming back or like to study their Bible but don't know what to study, have started the Bible study and never quite finished, maybe don't have a good circle of friends around them to encourage them in the things of God, and are just stuck on the side of the road. Now, that could be the woman that's in church and hasn't told anybody what her issues are. That could be the woman who hasn't been to church in five years or ten years. So I wanted to write it in a way that would make the woman who has not finished, you know, the last six years of Bible study straight out of the Lifeway catalog. I wanted to make her feel comfortable with the fact that we're having a conversation. It is based on truth and principles from the Word of God. But I'm having a conversation and sharing that truth like I would share it if we were sitting down to coffee, uh, like friends at a coffee shop. So there is Jesus in there, but I think people might have expected from me, uh, being Tony Evans' daughter, Lois Evans' daughter, Priscilla Shire's sister, that I was going to come out of the gate with a hardcore Bible study. Mm. And I love hardcore Bible studies, but my heart was to share my heart with other women. And I wanted to put that uh, disclaimer of sorts up front just mm-hmm. to set the expectation mm-hmm. for what the book was really about. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, listeners, uh, you're hearing the voice of Crystal Evans Hurst. She's the author of the new book, She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. And so thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, now you, you've also al- already shared that um, part of the book talks about um, an unmarried pregnancy while you were in college. You also opened up about some financial troubles uh, and uh, being a single parent. Uh, talk about uh, why you chose to share these parts of your life story. I, I know that you said um, all of us are asking, how did I get here and how do I get out? And so... Um, you you have a story that may or may not be the same as others, but what can we glean from your transparency? Well, the, the main thing is that we all have that moment. So one of my major moments, of course, is the pregnancy story, but another moment is I hated my job, and another moment is financial crisis, and another moment is health scares in my family, and there are other moments where my jeans float open because I got too big for them. We all have <laughs> moments where we look around and say, you've got to be kidding me. How did this happen to me? How did I choose this? How did I make the mistake? How did someone, you know, someone's lack of um, wisdom, how did that impact my life? And so we have those moments. And the the main thing is to connect by sharing different stories of mine to say, hey, maybe this is your story. But even if it isn't, here's the principle that you can learn. Mm -hmm. I think that while we do want to be wise with our authenticity and transparency, I think transparency and authenticity can be a gift whether that is a gift you share one-on-one with someone else, whether it is a gift you share from a platform to a certain degree, or whether that's a gift you share with yourself. To be honest with yourself about how you feel about your life, um, to be honest as you even pray to God and ask Him for wisdom and how to change some things that you don't like about your life. But if we walk around pretending that everything is okay, not just pretending with others, but pretending with ourselves, 
and numbing ourselves with things that just take the edge off, whether that's entertainment or whether it's food or whether it's busyness or spending money we don't have. If we're not first honest with, with ourselves and then within our circle of influences, as it is wise to do so, or as we have the privilege to share even beyond that with an audience, then we really can't, A, move forward ourselves, and then, B, help others move forward. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks about comforting others with the comfort that you've received. Well, how can you share comfort with others if you're still stuck and still in pain yourself? And you have to be honest, step one, in order to fix that. Mm -hmm. And we do overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony. I love that scripture because he juxtaposes the blood of the lamb with a conjunction in the sentence with the word of our testimony. Our testimony has so much weight and so much power, both in the kingdom of God as we encourage other believers and beyond as people who are struggling in a world say, you know what, hey, I, I've had my struggles or I have my struggles, and this is what the blood of Jesus has done for me. And I don't think we give that as as much power as we should because we're so busy trying to make sure everybody thinks we're perfect. Exactly. And that's a whole other book. <laughs> so you, you mentioned uh, hating your job, and I can relate to that. I I was at a job where before my feet touched the ground every morning, I was saying, oh, got to go back again. Um, one day you found yourself asking God to break your legs so you could get a much needed break from work. <laughs> now that's a pretty desperate request. Tell, talk about where, where you were at that time in your life. Well, I was on the tollway, the Dallas tollway, and I was going through the second toll booth and it had been bad traffic. And I just remember saying to God, if you could just break both of my legs, mm-hmm. like I needed enough to have a long-term time off of my job, like not like a day, like a sick day. Like, you know, give me a couple of weeks. And then if I needed to go beyond my sick pay, I could even dip into short-term disability. Not long-term disability, because long-term you only get a fraction of your paycheck. But I wanted to be able to have some time off to reconsider what it is that I'd chosen to do every day. My, You know, you graduate from college and you think um, you're going to get a job, and then you realize oh my goodness, like this is it. This is it for the next 40 years of my life. I'm going to be working. And the idea of spending all of that time on a job that made that drained me, it was not so much the job, although that was a part of it. The bigger part was that it wasn't, there was no passion. There was no excitement. I wasn't looking forward to going every day. And the idea of doing that for the large portion of my working adult life was overwhelming to me. Mm. And I wanted God to give me a new vision. And I didn't know how to have the time to hear him clearly or to investigate that without a break. Now, I did tell him, you know, now if you're going to get me in a car wreck, like, don't mind my face. We don't want the car to blow up. I don't want to die. Like I had all these qualifiers, you know, like how he could hurt me or allow me to be hurt. But the point is, is I wanted a breather. Now I ended up after another six months of actually leaving that job. I left it correctly. Um, and so I didn't last very long. It wasn't even a year, but I will say this. Um, I did take, I'd worked temporary jobs for a little while. And then I did take a, I said, let me start over. And forget the degree and forget all the expectations and all the money I'm supposed to be able to make after the degree. What do I want to do? And I took a lower-paying job that was still in the finance field, but it was a a mutual fund company, and I worked the customer service desk. I loved that Mm -hmm. job. And I needed to figure out how to make more money, so I started applying for other licenses and things that would allow me to do more and have more responsibility on that job. But I was able to combine my love of numbers, which is how I ended up in my first job, with my love of helping people. 
And so while I'm never going to tell anybody, you know, walk out of the door and quit your job, what I am going to say is the key for us discovering whether it is what we do with our lives on our jobs or anywhere else is looking at what he's, the gifts he's given you and just seeing how you can use them at all or use them, uh, use them differently. So I shot out of the gate trying to check off the list ignoring what was really important to me and doing what was I could brag on to other people. Mm. I got a job at one of the big six count accounting firms and, you know, I got a job doing this and I, you know, I got these perks with my first job and didn't like the job. Mm-hmm. So I backed up and said, what would I love doing? What can pay my bills? But what would I love doing? And kind of had the opportunity to hit the restart on my career. And it was a blessing to do mm-hmm. that. Wow. What a, that's a, a profound insight, getting a job or doing anything so you could brag about it rather than what God has called you to do or what you love and what you're passionate about, which I believe is a clue to what God has called you to do and your purpose. Um, Yeah. I hope uh, some of the new uh, college graduates or those who are going into their senior year of high school or senior year of college who might be listening really take that to heart. Oh yeah. I tell my kids, um, I tell them all the time, most of the people I know, not all, but most of the people I know do not work in the degree in which they received. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're going to do something specialized like a doctor or a lawyer, of course they do, but, but most of the people I know don't. So I was like, if you know what you want to do, then yes, go after it full on, full fire. But if you don't, major in what you love and you're passionate because you have a lifetime to grow. You have a lifetime to go back to school. You have a lifetime to do all these other things. But it's a shame to major in things and you hate every class. Take a job you hate because you can make a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because every day is a gift. And it's a gift not just to use for the glory of God in a generic way, but in a specific way as he has told you. Now, you can use your gifts and your abilities and your interests and your unique nature on your job, but you can use it in your church as you serve or in your neighborhood or in your community. So there's a lot of ways to do it. But this idea that there's only one way to skin a cat, that there's only certain degrees that are worth having or that, you know, your life is only worth living if you make a certain amount of money. I mean, how many people have fallen prey to that lie, you know, and they're out there with bills that they have to work to pay because they've developed a lifestyle and they hate what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, a, I'm a pro-passion person for sure. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, you're praying that the Lord will break your legs uh, <laughs> so you can get a break from, from that job that you hate, uh, which gives whole, a whole new meaning to the scripture, he makes me lay down <laughs> in green pastures. <laughs> so true. Lord, so make true. me lay down, break my legs. <laughs> so we want to avoid that. So um, earlier in the show intro, I asked my listeners um, some questions that are related to your book. Um, what did you What did you imagine your life would be like when you grew up? And do you ever wonder if you've become the person you were intended to be? And what can we do when our lives don't line up with the future we envisioned? Um, say more about about those questions and how you sure. came to some answers. Sure. Well, I, first of all, I don't think we will ever be the people we were designed to be fully until we meet Jesus. Mm. I, I just think the whole point of life is becoming. The whole point of living life is sanctification, if we will allow it to be. So I think we are not fully sanctified until we are no longer here. Mm. I will say that if we we can totally determine by how we participate with God's work in us, how fast that process goes, and 
how much of the process and the journey we get to enjoy. <laughs> um, I think the more we walk with God, the, 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 you know, he is faithful to show us what we need to do to be more in line with his direction for our lives. Now, now that said, I think that, you know, I think there's something that happens to all people, even people who don't know Jesus. The longer you live, the better you just know yourself. You know, you know what you like and you don't like, and you can do a better job to, to honor. I think the key with Christians, though, is we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside who gives us all of these clues mm-hmm. and all of these hints mm-hmm. and all of this information through the Word of God that we get to use, not only to make sure our journey is not any longer than it needs to be unnecessarily, that we don't have any... Um, turns that we've taken incorrectly, but also so that we're able to hear from him. We're able to sense his move in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, when I when I think about how all of my life I've been a gatherer of people. In the second grade, I wanted to be the peacemaker and make sure that everybody on the playground got along. As an adolescent, I got a group of girls together so we could memorize scripture. As a hey, Crystal, let me let me interrupt you. We're gonna we're gonna go to break here in just okay, a no minute. Problem. Yeah, I'm gonna hear all about uh, <laughs> all, all, all of how how we're God, the Holy Spirit is helping us on this path. I'm talking with Crystal Evans Hurst, and her new book is called She's Still There: Rescuing the Girl in You. Don't go away. We'll be back after this break. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. The National Hurricane Center has downgraded Harvey from a Category 4 hurricane to a tropical storm, but officials say they're still worried about potential catastrophic rainfall that will continue for days with more than 40 inches and flash flooding possible even well inland. Harvey came ashore Friday along the Texas Gulf Coast as a Category 4 storm with 130-mile-an-hour winds, the most powerful hurricane to hit the U.S., in more than a decade. Key oil and gas facilities along the Texas Gulf Coast temporarily shut down as Harvey came on the coast. The torrent rain and high winds, that adversely assures that gasoline prices probably will rise in the storm's aftermath. Dozens of oil and gas platforms have been evacuated. At least three refineries have closed along, uh, closed as well. This is SRN News. FM, The Word. Glade presents On the Road with Kelsey Ballerini. The best part about being on the road is probably getting to go explore places. I definitely do get homesick, but I also love getting home at the end of a long run and just feeling like I got to share my music and, you know, just that feeling of accomplishment. Make life on the road an adventure with new Glade Plugins Car. Pick one up at your nearest retailer or visit Glade.com to learn more. Earnings vary based on your effort. 
Do you want to learn how to make money flipping houses right here in Denver? If so, we have an amazing opportunity for you. We're looking for a small group of motivated individuals to join our real estate investing team. You'll learn our simple three-step system for flipping homes right here in the local area. This is Than Merrill, star of A&E's hit TV show, Flip This House. My team and I are looking for a handful of people in the Denver area who want to learn how to make money flipping houses in your spare time using other people's money. Denver is a perfect market for my system, and next week, I'm holding a free two-hour educational workshop where you will learn how to make money flipping homes and how to build long-term wealth with income properties. To get two free tickets to Than's Workshop, call 1-800-400-7448. Seating is extremely limited. Call in the next 10 minutes and you'll also reserve a free copy of Than's Money for Deals Guide. That's 1-800-400-7448. That's 1-800-400-7448. This is Pastor Ed and I'm so blessed to share the word with you daily on Abounding Grace Radio at noon and 9 p.m. right here on 94.7 FM, The Word. You know, here at Calvary Aurora, we've been serving the metro area for over 17 years now faithfully teaching the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter. I'm personally inviting you to become a part of our church family here at Calvary Aurora. For more info, visit calvaryaurora.org or download our free app today. That's calvaryaurora.org. See you soon. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Well, welcome back, everyone. I'm with uh, Crystal Evans-Hurst, and she's a co-author of the book Kingdom Woman with her dad, Dr. Tony Evans, and also the author of the new book, She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. And um, uh, Crystal, how can listeners get in touch with you and learn more about your book and your, and your speaking engagements and ministry? Well, they can find me online at crystalevanshurst.com. They can find everything they want to know about the book at she'sstillthere.com. And I'm everywhere on social media at Crystal Hurst. Excellent. And I will have a link uh, to Crystal Evans Hurst on my website, drpegradio.com. And if you'd like to share this interview with a friend or a family member or a girl you know who's still there, go to drpegradio.com. So, Crystal, um, right before the break, you were sharing with us and giving us some in- insights into the second grade you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just saying that, you know, God allowed me to see that I was a gatherer in the second grade. I was a gatherer as an adolescent. When I was a young mom at home and was lonely, I got some friends together on a Yahoo email group so we could talk to each other during the day. It was a gatherer of people then. And now I work in my women's ministry at my church uh, with women's events, uh, one particular called Gathering of the Girls. Mm. So when I look back, I can see that the things he put in me that I used in different ways at different times are a part of my design. And when we live looking at our lives and look over time at what God has done, what we seem drawn to over and over again, what lights our fire, what we can't stop talking about. Those are clues to your passion, your gifting, your interest. And as you can, you utilize those in your career, as you volunteer, in your community. And as you move forward with the things you know, God continues to light your path and give you direction. Mm-hmm. And so you that that's an acronym that you, you give us, that to us as a strategy in your book, GAIN. Uh, yes, how we can gain a new perspective in our lives. Tell us again what the what the letters sure, stand sure. for. Sure, yeah. To gain a new perspective in your life, you ask yourself questions. What are my gifts? What are my abilities or skills? 
what are my interests, my passions, or what is my nature, my personality, the natural bent mm. of who I am. And I'm amazed at how many people, because I, I was just doing something um, when I sat down and kind of wrote these questions out one day and was trying to answer them. And I started using them with friends. Many of my friends could not answer the questions. Mm. And so one of the things that I challenge people to do in the book is try yourself. But then ask people who love you. Ask people who you work with, because many times people outside of us can easily see what the positive parts of us are. And we, a lot of times, don't give ourselves credit for what for what uh, what God has put in us. We don't see the gifts within. Mm-hmm. And, and if you see yourself um, being drawn into certain activities or being asked to do certain things at work even maybe as a is a clue as to what your abilities might be uh, perceived by those around you if you're always asked to lead a group or spearhead a new initiative even if you feel like that you may not be that good at if everyone around you sees that in you maybe something to take another look at exactly mm-hmm. exactly and then you talked about um the breadcrumbs, that trail of breadcrumbs. And we all have heard that story of Hansel and Gretel and that trail of breadcrumbs. But you say God leaves us a trail of breadcrumbs to help us in our lives. How How is that tied in to get just better understanding who you are? Sure. Well, the first and foremost place that God gives us instruction or leads us is his word. And there's uh, revelation to all in the Word. So if you pick up the Bible and study it, you'll know what he likes and what he doesn't like. Mm. You'll know what a righteous man does and what a wise man does. I mean, there's some things that are clear, and they're clear to everyone. But then for us, um, he does lead us in specific ways based on our life and our personality. Not only does he lead us by looking outside to, the, to his word, he leads us inside because I'm different than you are, and I'm different than my sister, and I'm different than my mom. So how my life goes is going to largely be a function of, of the, the experiences that I have, yes, the opportunities that I have, yes, but also who I am. And since I'm different than anyone else, what he's put in me is a breadcrumb. And then experiences and opportunities can be breadcrumbs. I, I will never forget, I will never forget the day that I was working at my church. I wasn't supposed to be there. I was walking into an office that I share with someone else to grab something. And I noticed that I saw a girl in my dad's office who I know. I went to the conference room door and waved at her. She waved me in. When she waved me in, she was there having a meeting with Lisa Turkhurst, who is the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries. That particular day, I had written a blog post about what it means to be a mother of black boys, and it was I had just written it in the wake of um, one of the uh, situations with the police. I think it was a Trayvon. I mean, there have been uh, many of them, but Trayvon was the one, I think, at this time. That day, someone had told her to read my blog post because she has adopted two black boys. Mm. So that day, not only was I not supposed to be there, not only did I not know she was supposed to be there, I had written a blog post, and she'd never read any of my stuff before. And that particular day, she said, I just feel like this is not coincidence. Mm. Do you mind sending me some of your other writing? And I've been writing now and speaking with Proverbs 31 Ministries for three years. So that, you know, in the world, people will call that happenstance, or they will say it's coincidence, or they will say, you know, the universe opened up a door. Well, when we're Christians, that's God moving, and that's opportunities and experiences that are crumbs. Now, I could have walked out of there and said, oh, no, that's not what I want to do. But when I paid attention to 
how God orchestrated that day. It was very clear to me Mm. that that was an opportunity created by him. Mm -hmm. Amen. And we can all look back on our lives and see uh, some critical changes and transitions and things that we pursued that really it was that momentary opening of a door that if we hadn't been where we are and open to walking through it, we wouldn't be in the position that we oh, found absolutely. ourselves in. And I can, I can find examples in many people's lives, and they won't recognize it as mm-hmm. a God moment mm-hmm. until they're given that perspective. Yes. You know, I, there was a, I was reading the story of um, uh, Misty Copeland and how she loved to dance, and she was in a public school, and her mother, a single parent, couldn't afford dance lessons, and she joined the drill team, and somebody noticed that she was really good, came to her and said, hey, we've got a dance class at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, you know, I'll make sure that you can do it. Would you like to do it? Sure. Now, we know she's, you know, a great dancer. <laughs> she's a world-renowned dancer now. But she wasn't looking for that opportunity. That opportunity came to her. Now, I don't know how she looks at it, but I can look at that and say that was a God moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this doesn't these God moments, uh, these experiences and opportunities don't have to lead to a stage. They don't have to lead to... Uh, to you know, everybody knowing your name. The point is, is that God is always presenting us with opportunities every day, even if it's an opportunity to pray, it's an opportunity to minister to the mission field down the hallway with your family, an opportunity to learn more about Him. Those are opportunities and experiences we have. Those are doors every day that we get to walk through. The thing is, are we showing up with the opportunities and experiences that He gives? Because a lot of us complain about the opportunities and experiences we don't have, mm-hmm. but we're not honoring the ones we do have. Right. And I think that in that is how we honor not only who we are, but the crumbs that he wants to offer and, and, and that he presents. In mm-hmm. front of us. And then when we do follow that trail of breadcrumbs and the door opens and we are presented with that new opportunity, we need not complain about it either. <laughs> it right. may not always be easy, but it is the door <laughs> that God opened up for us. And so we need to remember that. Now, well, you you talk in your book about drifting, um, and you say drifts don't last forever. And eventually to move in any direction, we do need to make a decision or a turn. But what does it mean to drift? Let's say you've followed a trail of crumbs and a door has opened up but then you find yourself drifting. Talk more about that. Well, the thing is, in this life I found, for me and many other people, if you are not actively choosing to pay attention, the current of life will carry you. And it will carry you somewhere, but it may not be the place you intended to go. As a matter of fact, usually wherever the current is carrying you is not where you should go because it's the waves of society pulling you. So in order to move in an active direction, the direction that God would have you to move, you have to be paying attention. And then every time you realize that you are moving in an unintentional way, in an unintended direction, you have to course correct. Um, What it means to drift is to realize that a week down the road, a year down the road, five years down the road, uh, I did not mean to be here. It is the wake-up call of I have been, I fell asleep on this raft, and now I am hundreds of feet from the beach. (laughs) That was not my intention. Mm -hmm. But because I wasn't paying attention, the current carried me. So that's what it means to drift. And the antidote to drift is paying attention, which the easiest way to do that is to study God's Word and to analyze your life in light of what you know about God's Word. Mm -hmm. The second thing is to do is to live life where you have room to reflect, margin to reflect, 
if today was not a good day, why is that? Was it just not a good day? Or is there some, in some way that you've been drifting and it just showed up today? Um, I've known a lot of people who will say, and it happened to me, they just don't feel good or they're always tired. But when they hop on the scale, they picked up 30 pounds. That's probably a part of it. You know what I mean? If you're not eating well and taking care of your body, you're not going to feel good. And so we can drift in so many different ways, spiritually or physically, emotionally, relationally, and every single one of those major pillars and columns of our life require us paying attention. Mm-hmm. Amen. And um, we need to be in God's word, paying attention to what he's already written and what he's already said for us, but in his presence as well to hear a rhema word uh, that can redirect us and give us course correction. Uh, Another thing that you're hitting on that I've talked a lot about on my program is, as you put it, leaving margin in our lives. Uh, We get so busy that we have no time to reflect, uh, not only to recognize, oh my goodness, I have drifted away from the shore, but most importantly, how did I get here? And so yeah. we, we keep ourselves so busy, and I, I share the acronym often, I, I don't know who first said it, I read it somewhere that busy stands for being under Satan's yoke. And so mm-hmm. it's a, a trap and a scheme of the enemy to, to lure us away so that we are drifting away from God's presence, God's word, God's direction for the purpose uh, that he's placed inside of us. Yep, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, we just have under a minute left. And so when we come back, uh, Crystal, I want to talk about uh, something that you um, discuss in your book that there is a purpose in pain and that pain pain serves a purpose and so uh, so many of us can um, relate to experiencing pain in our lives and and you shared earlier and you write more about it in your book about um, some of the um, stumbling blocks and some of the experiences that you've had and some of the the pain you've had in your life and yet um, you're still here uh, that yeah. that you have a process that you're sharing in your book for how we can rescue the girl in us. And I'm speaking with uh, Crystal Evans Hurst, and she's the author of She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. And when we come back, we'll talk about what she means by the pain and purpose. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional, evidence-based, advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident, such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based, advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Well, 
Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. If you're confused, stuck, or ready for change, go to drpegradio.com and learn more about my book, Do Something Different for Change and Do Something Different for Change, Personal Transformation Retreats. And if you're ready to write and self-publish your own book, register now for my one-day intensive workshop on nonfiction writing and self-publishing. Go to drpegradio.com to register. And my guest today has been best-selling author and speaker, Crystal Evans-Hurst, and she's sharing insights from her new book, She's Still There. And you can go to drpegradio.com to get in touch with Crystal Evans-Hurst or to find a copy of her book. And thanks again so much, Crystal, for spending the time with us today. My pleasure. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit um, more about um, a drifting. We were we were looking at that right before the break and how we can drift um, so far away from the shore, so far off course. We're not paying attention. Um, we have no margin in, in our lives to even reflect and even be aware that we've drifted. And we can, as you say in your, in your book, we can deceive ourselves and even become desensitized to what's going on. Say a little bit more about that. You know, the thing is, when we drift and we don't pay attention, sometimes when we wake up and we look at how much energy it takes to course correct, we don't want to do, we don't want to do all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we kind of convince ourselves that we'll, we'll do it in a minute, um, not realizing that every minute that we're not actively moving towards our uh, destiny and purpose, that we're moving somewhere. And so when you don't deal with the drift, you become desensitized to the problem of the drift. Um, and after a while, uh, that desensitization uh, can lead to you being way, way, way further. And then it's just overwhelming to think about what it takes to get back. Mm-hmm. Many times, um, you know, if you think, think about a car driving down a freeway, and if you are glancing too long at a billboard or uh, at your phone or uh, to engage in a conversation, you can easily drift from one lane into the other. The problem is when you drift into another lane and that leads to a collision, mm-hmm. it, leads, it leads to a disaster. And many people have unintentionally drifted from one lane of their life into another and it's exactly what happened. Or they unintentionally then took an exit that put them in a totally different sphere. It, it, drifts will always lead you somewhere you don't intend on being. Yes. But if you're paying attention, you can catch it in time to course correct. Mm-hmm. The good news is is that we serve a God who even if we don't catch it on time and if we have to live with some of the consequences of our decisions or our drifts, He is a good God. He is merciful. He is full of loving kindness. And He creates a route back to the main road that we can follow when we choose to follow. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And I teased up before our last break about the the value of pain. You say that pain can serve a purpose in our lives. So even if we have drifted, we've become desensitized and we've had a collision, uh, we, we have a merciful God and he can use that pain. Uh, what What's the purpose of pain? What do you write about in your book? Pain is information. We understand this with our physical bodies. If you have something hurting in your body that should not be hurting, you didn't go work out and run a marathon, and so your toe shouldn't be hurting. If your toe is hurting, that's an inclination that you need to go and see a podiatrist. We know that. We understand that with physical pain. Sometimes we wait a little too long to deal with the physical pain, but we understand that. The same is true of our emotional 
spiritual and mental well-being. When we have emotional, mental, or physical or spiritual pain, that is still information. It is our soul, our spirit man, our, 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 our inner person telling us there's something that's going on. The problem is we have learned to function, uh, many of us have learned to function well with pain that we shouldn't be living with. So that, that exhibits itself in frustration and overwhelm. Um, sometimes physically we know this to be true because you can be exhausted and stressed out or have high blood pressure or have migraines. And we understand those things. But spiritually, emotionally, people are bitter. They're angry. They lash out. Uh, they are sad all the time. And sometimes those are things that you, yes, you need to go and get help for. You seek professional, professional counsel or, you know, maybe there's in a, a situation where you need medication. But I'm just shocked in myself and in others how often we have pain from our inner man that we don't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And we learn to live in that space and we accept that somehow not being okay as we live our lives is okay. And it's not. God says in his word, John 10, 10, that he came to give us life and life abundantly. And I believe that means yes in the hereafter, but yes also in the now. So when pain is is speaking to us, when emotionally we're in pain or mentally we're not processing well, or our spirit man is, is, is needs encouragement, we need to pay attention to that and honor pain for what it is. It does have information, and that is its purpose to give us an indication when there's something we need to deal with. Mm-hmm. And and that can be difficult. Uh, I think sometimes people um, get uh, in a comfort zone in their discomfort. <laughs> and so they, they really are, again, off course from where God uh, would have them to be. And so, again, that, that notion of paying attention, um, sitting quiet uh, in the presence of the Lord, asking him to search your heart and show you, and to guide you and direct you is, is really um, one of the ways we can rescue the girl in you. Yes, the Bible talks about the word being sharper than, sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing through the bone and marrow. And we discount the ability of the word to heal us, mm. to help us to identify what's wrong. Now, he also talks about walking in wise counsel in the Word, and we are also encouraged to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and we are encouraged to, to enjoy community. So there are so many tools that, from the Word of God, we are given for our healing, but we are not aware of that or reminded of that if we're not cracking the Bible open to read it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, let's talk about, um, in your book, you say um, making three changes for 90 days to change <laughs> one's priorities or purpose. And I imagine that um, being in the Word, being in God's presence, paying more attention, not being so busy, uh, there might be listeners saying, well, that's nice, but you don't, you don't live my life. Uh, give me some practical strategies for making some changes and I think that no one there's not too many people better qualified than you someone who's homeschooling three boys (laughs) we (laughs) ought to take some of your advice so talk about this 90-day process that you propose and steps that you have to coach ourselves through these these changes that you're recommending 
Sure, sure. Well, first of all, yes, you, you're right. I got a lot going on. <laughs> when people tell me they don't have time. I'm like, you think? But I will tell you that this whole idea of what it looks like to walk with God, to spend time in His Word, we have to get out of our heads that there's a perfect way to do it. Mm. It will be nice one day when I have a chair that's by the window where I can hear the birds chirping, and then there's a basket with my Bible and all my colored pens and my notepad, and I sit there for 90 minutes just absorbed in the presence of God with my worship music in the background, uninterrupted. That day has not arrived. I still am waiting for that day to arrive, and it's not going to happen until <laughs> my house is empty. Now, I mean, I may have moments here and there, but that is certainly not my everyday. A, a woman a long time ago, I was in a Bible study for moms. She just said, Crystal, give yourself a break. And if you can just get up a few minutes early, you don't even have to get out of the bed, but just spend some time in the quiet, stretch your hands to heaven as an act of surrender, and tell God, I have my plans for today, but I want to be able to be interrupted by whatever is important to you for me today. I surrender my life to you. Reach over, sit on the edge of your bed, crack open your Bible, read a psalm or a Proverbs or a devotional, and then get with it. Put the scriptures in the kitchen so that you're surrounded by the Word of God. Have the tapes or the sermons or the CDs or the podcasts or the radio shows playing so you're surrounded by the Word of God. Pray to Him at all times without ceasing. Whatever's on your heart or mind, if you would talk to a friend, talk to God about it. Make communion with God a part of your day. And so Practicing the Presence of God, there's a book by that title that talks about this idea that God is with us all day. So the one thing we have to get over is that there's not this perfect time. And, and I'm, I believe in setting aside time for Bible study, so I'm not saying not to do that. Right. I'm saying to get off the guilt trip of it doesn't look a certain way and enjoy God's presence all day long. Now, to your 90-day point, studying the Word of God is a great habit to have. And, and there are a lot of great habits that we can develop in our lives that will help us to make sure that we are doing our part to cooperate with God with the gifts that He's given us. And because there are so many things we want to get better at, if, if anyone's like me, there's a long list of things I wish I was better at, but we can't tackle them all at once. 21 days is what most of us think of as the time to form a habit. Actually, the science says that it's 66 days. Um, um, I read that in a book called Habit. Uh, it's a great book to have. But 66 days, the science is actually right now saying that. 90 days gives you a long time frame so that you're not aiming for the fast, hit it, and quit it. So if I can do devotionals for 21 days, and I'm so glad when day 22 comes because I don't have to wake up today, the idea is to develop a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So in 90 days, what I recommend in the book is thinking of three things that you can do that are low-hanging fruit towards bigger goals that you have. So let's say that you want to go back to school, and that just seems like a huge goal that you can't do. Okay, but what you can do is go get an application from a college. What you can do is mm. find out what the requirements are for a GRE. Let's say uh, what you can do is start getting your finances together so that you'll be ready when it's time to submit your FAFSA or your information for financial aid. Those are low-hanging fruit items that take you closer to your big goal. 90 days is plenty of time All to right. do them. I'm so sorry, Crystal. We're going to have to interrupt you on that. No, okay. So we've, we've got some science there for establishing new habits and really just um, doing what you're able to do in that small little chunk. Uh, there's no perfect way to do it. Thanks so much, Crystal Evans Hurst, for being my guest today, the author She's Still There. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark, reminding you to live well. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. You can also purchase Dr. Peg's books, Do Something Different for a Change, and Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, online at drpegradio.com. And remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 The Word FM for Living Well with Dr. Peg.